Turn with me in your Bibles to First Peter, First Peter, the second chapter. And so we are we are in a series entitled Set Apart, and it's talking about this need for the church to walk in holiness. For the church to walk consecrated, right? For the church to understand that you can't look like everybody else around you. Now, I don't know about you, but we did seven days of fasting this week. And man, uh, really, uh, I hope you had an amazing time in your own walk with the Lord, right? Uh, To be able to grow and to stretch yourself in this area of fasting. And we're on week four of being set apart. And what it means by being set apart is to understand that God has a specific design for your life. I want to say that again because sometimes I think that we can say that but not really understand the depths of it. There is a specific plan that the Lord has for your life. And and it does not mean that you paralyze yourself trying to find God's plan. But it means that in everything that you do, you look for God in the midst of it. We're called by the Lord to live apart from our old ways, to live apart from culture and society, and to find the newness that Jesus has given to us. And in week one, we talked about being consecrated before you cross over into places of promise, right? In week two, Pastor David talked about ridding ourselves of the secrecy and and, and the, the places where you have hidden sin in your lives. And then last week, we looked at the Apostle Peter who challenges the church to think holy and from their thinking of being holy and and right thinking in alignment with the Lord that they'll have the right character and the right conduct in their life. But then in these verses that we're about to read in chapter 2 verse 1, Peter goes a little further and I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible and it says this, so put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy. I want to pause for 10 seconds. When I said hypocrisy, you thought about somebody else, but the Lord is talking to you today. I want to challenge every Christian to stop coming to church and listening for other people and listen for yourself. Amen. Hypocrisy and envy. He's also talking to you. Praise the Lord. And all slander. Like newborn infants, he's drawing a word picture now. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, that speaks there that there is an ownership you have in this. You have to draw in. A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen, meaning Jesus was rejected by the Pharisees and the religious institutions, but God had chosen him and he was precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. 
But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. He's going back to Old Testament prophecy. He's bringing back the Old Testament. He's telling them that Jesus was prophesied. He was a precious stone that many would stumble over. And if you have not received Jesus, it causes you to stumble. But for those who have received him, you become like a spiritual living stone that together God is building into a spiritual house. Verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Verse 9 is our focal point today. But you, tell the person next to you, you, that goes for you introverts as well. I see your Facebook posts. There's no scriptural support for being an introvert. I checked. But you are a chosen chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light into his marvelous light what an expectation god has of you and me i grew up as a pk that's church talk for being a preacher's kid I was in church morning, noon, and night. I was a pew baby, as they call it in some circles. I was always in church. I mean, my life revolved around church, church services. And I'm not talking about these nice, pretty services that we have for y'all today that we can get into the presence of God and God can speak to us. I'm talking about when you would show up at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. and the service wasn't done till 536 because we had Bible study in the morning. And we had, you know, we had bread and butter and coffee in between. And then we had praise and worship. And you wasn't worshiping unless you worship, you know, for three hours, apparently. And then they preached for two hours. I don't know what they were talking about because it was all in Spanish. But the problem with being a PK was that everybody expected you to have a certain level of behavior. And I want to go out here on a limb and challenge your, your picture of me as a kid. I want to tell you, I did not have that behavior, Matt. I was not a bad kid. I was just rambunctious. I'll never forget one day going to the principal's office, and this was a common occurrence. And without exaggeration, I I would probably go to the principal's office minimal once a week, maybe more, from kindergarten on. And by the second grade, I had gotten tired of it. Because they were sending me to the principal's office because I was supposed to be the pastor's kid. And I would get into the principal's office. God bless her heart. Miss Dorothy Schmidt. I loved her. Love this old lady. So we called her an old battle axe. I mean, she was just the nicest, meanest old lady. And she, you knew she loved you, but she was stern. And she would always say the same thing to me. You're supposed to be the pastor's kid. And I'm like, just sitting there with all this conviction. It was really condemnation. Straight condemnation. Trying to shame me into behaving because I'm a pastor's son. And I'll never forget, I went home and I said to my mom, Mom, I'm so tired of them. The wrong person to tell. Um, mom, I'm so tired of them telling me that I'm the pastor's kid. And she said to me, well, tell them, tell them, Mom, you are a pastor's kid, but you take after your mother and she's the devil. <laughs> I went to school the next day. I'm one of those my mama said, right? I went to school the next day. I got in trouble on purpose just so I can get sent to the office. And I'll never forget the, the look on Mrs. Schmidt's face. She, she was beside herself. She was flabbergasted. She was just like, oh. she said, you're supposed to be that. We talked about this yesterday, Lewis. And I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor's kid. I just couldn't wait to say it. 
but I take after my mother and she's the devil. And Mrs. Schmidt, I went to a Christian private school, y'all. Mrs. Schmidt was like, oh, and she got on the phone with my dad immediately. And my dad knew that that was something my mom would say. Like that was definitely it. But growing up, the expectation was crushing. And I think that sometimes living as a Christian and a Christ follower, we can feel like the expectation that God has on us is crushing. That's like, Jesus, you said your, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. Man, and you go through trials, troubles, and tribulation, but there's still an expectation from the Lord that you do something in your life. And he talks about it in a moment that we'll get, we'll get to it, that you were destined to proclaim the excellencies of him who saved you. That we're all destined to proclaim. If you don't know what God's called you to do, I'm going to lay down the baseline reason that you exist today. If at a minimum you don't know what God called you to do, I'm going to tell you the baseline, bare minimal things that God expects of us as believers and as Christ followers. Now, in the verses that we read, Peter... He's the global leader of the church. We talked about it last week. He is this guy who is speaking to believers across various regions of the world. And he's talking to people who are being very persecuted. They're in trouble. They're in grief, right? They're, they're dispersed because of their persecution. They were the likely one of two cases are they were either the Jews who were in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost who went back to their homes or they are the church of Jerusalem who was persecuted. And now Peter is writing to them and he's encouraging them because there's a great somebody say persecution. And so these people and, and again, Peter being the guy who was loud mouth, the Peter being the guy who was chopping off people's ears. He was a very interesting character in the biblical narrative and in the text of scripture. But Peter, after he denies Jesus, he's restored and he preaches on the day of Pentecost and God begins to use him mightily. And so I digress for 10 seconds to let somebody know that your mistakes in the past don't disqualify you from a future with God. That your mistakes from the past don't disqualify your calling and your purpose that God has for you. Now, I digress for 10 more seconds to let you know that because God is a forgiving God does not mean that we go sin on purpose, even though we're still called. Don't play with grace. And he tells them, you should be drinking spiritual milk. He's encouraging them. And he tells them, leave your former life. Put away all malice. Put away hypocrisy. Put away gossiping talk. Put away envy and slander. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Put away the old habits of your old self. And he's talking to the congregation. I want to drive this point home real quick. He's talking to the congregation. He says, you are a holy priesthood. And you should be giving the Lord spiritual sacrifices. Our worship, our prayer, our study of God's word, our fasting last week is a spiritual sacrifice. In verse 9, he reiterates this idea and he says so famously, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's talking not just to Jews, but he's talking to Jews and even to those who are non-Jews who are saved. And he begins to use this Old Testament verbiage and, 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 and just like terms of the Old Testament, like royal priesthood and chosen race, even though he's talking to a very diverse group of ethnicities. 
This is not replacement theology, but Peter begins to give the terms of Israel to the church and say, look, God has always had a bigger purpose than just Israel. Although Israel is still God's nation and they're still God's people. And even yet today, God still has a purpose for Israel in the earth. Peter is reminding the church that they're chosen by God to be this royal priesthood. And that God's desire is that they live and walk in holiness. Keeping in mind that the Old Testament role of a priest was to worship, intercede, and minister to God. We don't minister to one another. We're supposed to be ministering also to God, not just ourselves. But here's what I find interesting. That in spite of what they're going through, Peter is telling them what they're supposed to be doing. I'm going to say that again, that in spite of what they're facing, in spite of what they are feeling, Peter's saying to them, above and beyond your feelings, you still have a, a job to do. Here's point number one, real simple, right? In spite of the problems we face, we've been purposed by grace. In spite of what you're... There's got to be a praise and a worship and a sincerity and a, a, a grit in your walk with the Lord that every time you face a problem, you don't throw in the towel for three days and go sinning. I had to clear that up real quick. That every time you face a, a problem, you don't dip back into the old ways of yourself. That you don't start over drinking and that you don't start doing the things of the flesh. That you don't start being depressed again and you have to fight through it because in spite of what you're facing, you are graced by God for a greater purpose. And Peter is saying, hey guys, I know it's bad, but you know what? Above what's bad, there's something good you're called to. The church, in spite of this difficulty and problems, they're challenged by Peter to do something. In spite of it all. Now I point you to this fact alone that you are not by yourself the royal priesthood. Peter, consistently, by yourself, you are not the church. By yourself, you're just, according to Peter, a stone. It's in our togetherness that we become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Peter is talking to the collective congregation and to the church globally. He's speaking this very broad statement of what the goal of the church is and how together they have a purpose in God. He's reminding the church this, that above the problems they face, that there is a purpose that God has given them. Beloved, having problems and circumstances do not allow you to negate your calling in God. Peter is pointing out to the church this corporate perspective. And this is something that I believe very often in Western Christianity. When I say Western Christianity, I'm talking about Western Christianity. Maybe not the church in Africa or the church in Asia, but the church in the Western world, especially not in South America, in North America and in Europe. The church is very self-centered. It's all about self. It's about what I can get from the church. It's about how the church makes me feel, not about how I make God feel in the congregation. 
It's about, is the pastor doing what I want? Is the church meeting my needs? Am I being fed? Am I this? And am I, 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 and I has taken center stage in the church. And Peter's saying, it ain't about you. It's a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation. It's this thing of ours. It's us together that you are looking at the church and at your walk with God as what you can get out of it and from it and for it. I come to church for my personal growth. I come to church for my this and my that. Can I tell you something? I stopped coming to church for me a long time ago. If I were coming to church for me, I wouldn't be here with y'all. I'll tell you that right now. Find me a nice little small quiet church and live my life quietly. Get a regular old job. How many pastors think that, Pastor Mary? Listen. But we don't live this for ourselves. Why should you? Why should any believer in the body live for yourself? Frederick Faber, a a theologian in the 1800s, he said this statement, and maybe you should write this down. This is a really good quote. He said, holiness is an unselfing of ourself. I know. Think about that, Melissa, for a second, right? Holiness is an unselfing of ourself. It is the very essence of removing self out of the equation and fully focusing on God himself. And then God's going to tell you, focus on those around you. If you're going to walk in true holiness, this walk can't be about you. Look around you. We're in this together. Look around you. It's not just about you. Your purpose is intertwined with everybody in your, in your, in your row. Your purpose is intertwined with everybody in your household. Your purpose is intertwined with the congregation that you have planted your feet in. Beyond the circumstances you are feeling and facing, you were called by God. And regardless of how you feel, it's not just about you. There's something bigger. Now, if the enemy can get you to focus on you, what did he say to Eve? God knows that if you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. He pointed to her what the benefit would be if she focused on herself and the church ever since then and mankind has been focused on self ever since. He said to her, if you do that, you will be like God. You, 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 you. But Peter, he repeatedly talks about the us, the we, the church, the congregation. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. The idea here of being a holy nation is not speaking towards moral holiness, but rather in this portion is talking about being set apart by God. Here's what it means. It means means that you are God's portion in the earth. Out of all of humanity, you are his portion. You're his portion. If I'm not home and my wife cooks dinner, she would take my portion and she would put it in the microwave. And she would text me and say, hey, babe, I put your food in the microwave. Now, sometimes whatever's in the microwave isn't mine, but I just assume it is. The other day, I kind of ate Aria's chicken, thought it was mine. Hey. And she, my wife yells down to me, hey, when you come upstairs, put down Aria's chicken. I had it in my mouth. I'm like, oh, uh, well, it's my chicken now, right? You are God's portion in the earth. Us together, we are his portion. We are, I'm say it again, his portion. And we are set apart by God. Here's point number two. It's really simple. I've been set apart to take part. 
I've been set apart by God to actually take a part in the house of God. He says, you are each living stones. Some of you are okay with a lot of windows. He's like, no, 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 you're, you're a living stone. You're meant to be built together that when you gather and when you gather as a church, you are a strong spiritual house. Together we are better. Together we are stronger. Have you ever been in the dumps and you come to church and you get around some people in your aisle and you wor- and, and you don't even feel like worshiping, Minister Penny? You don't feel like dancing. You don't feel like singing. But somebody around you begins to jump, shout, and sing. And you're like, what's wrong with me? And, and then you remember the verse when they said, I rejoice when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so you begin to get excited and you don't even know why you're excited, but it's because God's good. But it's in the congregation that our spirits are lifted. It's in the gathering of believers. It's in the, it's in this gathering we have within the ecclesia that we begin to see the rejoicing nature of the presence of God, the refreshing nature. And you can come in bogged down by the cares of the world and know your, your, your issues aren't gone when you walk out, but there's a joy about you and there's a presence about you. But it was never about you. The byproduct of the church's praise is that we have joy in our hearts. That you're encouraged in your spirit. And you walk out saying, I can face tomorrow. I can take on six more days until I see my, my homies. I can make it to midweek prayer. I, I can make it. I don't have the answer yet, but I know that God is with me in the process. And I understand this. And so I realize I am a living stone being built up. Do you realize that you have a role in the house of God? Do you realize that you're not called to live by your own design, but take on the the nature of what God calls you to do? That within the body, within the family, we all have a part to play in the greater picture. This thinking really should take us to be purified and truly holy in our living. Why? Because it's not self-filled, it's selfless. And I understand that, that if this is not about me and I have a role to play in it, then I have to walk in a place of perpetual preparedness because God can talk to me and use me at any time. And I'm a small portion of a greater whole. I'm just a piece of a greater fabric and tapestry of the purposes of God in the earth. Man. Part we play as a portion of a greater picture. It demands that we think of the interest of others in spite of what we're facing. It de- this this demands, Jenny. This demands that if I'm in the worst place of my life, that because God might send somebody who is worse off than myself, that I have to play my part. It demands that even in the midst of trial and fire and circumstance, because in our human mind, in our frailty, we think that God should understand when we don't want to do part of his plan. Well, God sees my resources. I can't give right now. Well, God understands why I'm, I'm depressed, and so I don't have to praise right now. Well, why should I read my word? God understands that I don't understand what I'm reading, so it's okay. Well, why should I seek the Lord? Because he ain't answered my last prayer. So now I'm mad at God. And I'm having trouble at my job. And my job is stressing me out. Even though I pray for this promotion. Listen, y'all. Sometimes we have to push past ourselves. Because I'm a portion of a greater picture. 
I learned this from a preacher. He said, uh, he said we're so self-centered that <laughs> when we take a group picture, we first look for ourselves in the picture. And we judge the whole picture by the person. And if ourselves don't look the way we think we should look, we'd be like, no matter how many people in the picture, just like, we should take another one. Let's do one more. Come on. Your eyes were closed, sis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take one more. But in reality, it was us. We didn't like how we looked. Listen, listen. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. You do this every day. That you focus on yourself in the picture of the church. And what we do and don't do financially in our serving, in our volunteering, in our giving, in our resources, in our helping, in our seeking, in our, work, our serving, our worship. What we don't do is usually based on how we see ourselves in the moment in the picture. Peter's like, hey, man, there's still a purpose. And how can you not proclaim the excellencies of him who sent you? How can Paul's in jail saying my chains are for him? He's like, I'm chained up for Jesus. And some of us, we we go through a small life crisis, and I don't want to minimize what you're going through, but I want to maximize what Jesus has done. That, that type of thinking demands that, that the local congregation begins to look at everything instead of just self. True holiness is the unselfing of ourselves. It's us no longer focusing on us. This is bigger than any of us. It's about a spiritual house that God is building up. That every priest has a portion. That every priest has a part to play. That every priest has a duty in the house that we together tell the person next to you together are the royal priesthood that together along with new vision along with cathedral of praise along with with bethel church down the street here along with the brazilian churches along with the hispanic churches along with the latino churches along with with every english speaking we are the royal priesthood there's not a competition in the house of god there is a one royal priesthood there is one holy nation it's all of us it's not just us it's not just oh let god do it in our church but not that church it's god wherever you want together we're being blessed by the kingdom Peter says you're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation uh, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light let's recap real quick and I'll close this down in spite of problems you face you've been graced for something greater secondly you are set apart by God you are his portion, he's removed you us as a group places over here that we have a specific role and part to play. But what is that part that we are to play? Thankfully, Peter, he tells us what that part is. He says, we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our purpose, guys, is just to proclaim. It's just to proclaim. The statement that you may proclaim, in the Greek, it means to speak forth, to tell out, and to publish abroad. The word praises means virtues and excellencies and and supreme and eminent qualities of God that you are supposed to in your life and through your life, not just with your voice, but with your actions and your testimony. And as a church, as a testimony of our church, we are called to proclaim the excellencies of God that in spite of circumstances, in spite of 
problems, in spite of trial, in spite of suffering, in spite of situations, in spite of your anxiousness, in spite of your stress, in spite of your worry, that you still have a job to do. And your job is to proclaim the name of God, the goodness of God, and the work of God. Here's point number three, that when we proclaim, we bring him fame. That we're supposed to make God's name famous in the earth. That we're supposed to be the servants of a living God. A king who when people see us, they look and say, I want to be with that king. How can we not proclaim the excellencies of God in our life? Mark 16, 15 talks about this idea. Go ye into all the world and preach. Proclaim the gospel to every creature. You're called to proclaim. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore you speak. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. You are supposed to represent him. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. We're called to be witnesses and to proclaim Psalm 66 verse 16 come and hear all ye that fear God and I will declare what he has done for my soul Isaiah 63 7 I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed upon us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he has bestowed upon them according to his mercies I will proclaim has God been faithful in spite of what you face, you are tasked with proclaiming the excellencies of him who sent you. How can you not get with people around you and tell them how over seven years God radically changed your life and the same God who brought you apart brought you together. How can we not proclaim how he's delivered you and saved you? Maybe from addiction, maybe from alcoholism, maybe from depression, maybe from a sin and a brokenness in your life, maybe from emotional damage. He's healed you from your molestation. He's healed you from the spiritual chasms of your life. Has he not done something for you? But every time that I proclaim him, I bring his name fame in the earth and I give him glory. What has the Lord done in your life? You cannot allow for problems to stop you from proclaiming. But has he saved you? Has he filled you with the Holy Ghost? The old song says, when I look back over my life, and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I've got a testimony. I got a testimony. Do you have a testimony we're talking about? Do you have a testimony that you can tell somebody? You can tell them about all the things we watch on TV. We tell them about the, the, the Instagram things we just saw. We share all those. We share all the TikToks. We share all the YouTube shorts. But do you share the goodness of God? It's a very shareable thing. It's this thing of ours. And Peter says, come on, stand with me. Peter says, Peter says, listen, listen, listen. I know y'all going through some stuff. He's like, I know you're going through some stuff. But what you're going through don't mean that you can act crazy. He said, put away malice. Put away envy. Put away, I'm a cuss, hypocrisy. <laughs> put away, put away all evil. 
put away debauchery, put, he's saying you got a role to play in this. He's, but if you, if you would proclaim his excellencies, I don't know, I don't know if you know this about me. Um, you, you should by now if you've been in this church. Um, I love food. <laughs> What I mean is I love experimenting with food. I love tasting new things. I love going to restaurants. When I go to a really good restaurant, I, 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 I talk about it. I be telling everybody about it. Hey, you got to go here. Remember, I preached on a tasty yolk in their business. Just like, when it was just a food truck, the Lord, let, he led me there to that anointed place. Right? Because, because when you taste something that is good, you want to tell everybody about it. See, you know how when um when when one of those restaurants they put up those um those Instagram videos, let's say it's of a bihia taco or something, and they pull it apart and the cheese is slowly, you know somebody want the cheese is slowly, and you start getting hungry because somebody's telling you what they tasted. Did you catch that? If you tell somebody what he's done. They're going to start craving what he can do. If you begin to tell somebody, if you testify, if you proclaim, and if you stop wallowing in self-pity, and you put self away, and you unself yourself, you will begin to see that others want what you got. That others need what you have. And they can taste and see that the Lord is. Peter said, you're holy. You're set apart. And here's why. You're meant to proclaim. Now, who are you proclaiming your life to in Christ? Who are you encouraging? Who are you building up? What is happening in your walk with the Lord? Come on, as the prayer team comes up. Man, I want to I want to encourage and challenge you. I want to encourage and I want to challenge you in this area. Because as believers, we have to understand something. That if all we do is complain, nobody's going to want the Jesus we got. How you doing? Well, you know, I've been better. <laughs> He didn't say complain. He said proclaim. You see, proclaim means to go out. Complain means to come in and hear this foolishness. Come over here. I want to talk to you about my pains. And the Lord in the scripture, it says, Peter says, if you would proclaim it, they're going to see it. Here's what I want to pray for you today. There might be individuals in this room who don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't want to assume that every single one of us is walking perfectly in step with the Lord. And secondly, there are people in this room who are, maybe you need prayer to be bold to be able to proclaim. Maybe you're lacking a boldness in your life. Would you do me a favor across the sanctuary? Would you bow your heads and and listen, let's let's not draw this out. If you know God's talking to you and you know that if you passed away today, you don't know where you would end up. You don't know if you'd end up with the Lord or you would end up anywhere else. Do you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning? Maybe you're saying to yourself, well, I've done the stuff before. I've said the prayer, all that kind of stuff. But maybe you're not walking with the Lord right now, but you need to pray today. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand as high as you can? And what you're saying is, Pastor, I want to pray. I want somebody to pray with me. I know that I need Jesus. Come on, I see one, two, three hands. Come on. I know that I need Jesus in my life. Now listen, if that's you and you're lifting your hand for salvation, I'm going to challenge you with one other step, right? It's easy to lift our hands, but I want to ask you to come down this center aisle right now. Right now, I want you to ask you to come out your seat and come to this center aisle. doesn't matter who you have to push by. Just come. Yeah, push by. Tell them, I got to go. Tell them, I got to go. 
I got to have my hand up. I got to go. Come on. I got to go. Now listen, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and, and you need, listen, you need strength to proclaim. Maybe you consider yourself, listen to me, church. Maybe you consider yourself a quiet person. I'm going to get on somebody's toes today. Maybe you're such an introvert, you don't know how to share your faith. That's one, yeah, just sorry, Grisella, sorry. Dominique's staring at me, I see it. I just feel it in my spirit. But maybe you just need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're saying, I'm not like Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot quieter. But maybe you just need that boldness. If that's you, I want you to come down. Come now. If you're saying, Lord, I need some boldness in my life. Come on. We want to pray with you. Come down the center aisle. And we just want to pray with you to believe the Lord to give you boldness. Come on, worship team. For the Lord to give you boldness in your walk with him. For the Lord to strengthen you and for him to do amazing things in your life. Let me tell you something. You got a story to tell. You just might need a boldness to get it done. Come on, let's pray here in a moment. If that's you, you can come. But Father, as we worship and as we praise, we ask you right now, give us a boldness to proclaim, to see this thing as you see it, God. To believe it as you've called us to do it. Would you give us that, Lord God, in this moment today? In your name we pray. Come on, the church says amen. Come on, the altar is open for anyone who needs prayer as you worship here for a moment.